0: Max is the nothing personal word of the day. Today is already December 3rd, 2020. Max is the word of the day. Not Max as in the character from Where the Wild Things Are, that great book by Maurice Sendak, that award-winning book, The Night That Max Made Mischief of One Kind and Another. No, Max as in a Max deal. It's such a funny statement when NBA players sign what are called max deals, max extensions. That means that the negotiation went something like this. Okay, under the rules of collective bargaining and the rules of the salary cap, this is the most we can pay you. This is the most you can get paid. What exactly do you need an agent for I wonder what LeBron James is thinking right now. I think his agent is Les Paul. Les Paul, I think, is a musician. My guess is his agent is Rich Paul, not Les Paul. And uh, I don't know why Les Paul is in my main. Coco, Coco, who is Les Paul? I think you may have to GTS. So Rich Paul announces last night that LeBron James has signed a two-year max extension. Okay. Thank you. That's a good update. Then we find out that Anthony Davis has signed a five-year max contract with the Lakers. So the question you ask yourself is, why is Anthony Davis signing for five years, $190 million, and LeBron is only taking two years at whatever it was, $85 or $86 million, as though that's Trump change. So the rules in basketball are the following. When you are 38 years old, you are no longer eligible under the current collective bargaining agreement, to sign a multi-year contract. Okay? So LeBron is turning 36. That means that he would be eligible to sign a long-term deal at the end of this season or at the end of next season. And instead, what his contract used to be before yesterday, is that he had one year left with the Lakers this year and then a player option next year at, let's say, $40 million, which he could exercise and then get paid and then he's done. So instead, what he decided to do was to sign a two-year deal that keeps him in the Lakers, basically exercising his player option, then signing a one-year extension, if you will. So LeBron James is now signed through age 38 through the 2022-2023 season. Why would LeBron James sign this extension right now? What would be the two reasons? So I thought about this, and Coke and I spoke about it both yesterday and pre-show today. And there are several factors at play. Number one, LeBron James is very well aware of the economic realities of the National Basketball Association and the reality that what is defined as max changes with the salary cap. And while there's an agreement in place for the salary cap for this season to not go down and to be artificially inflated, which is what's happened this year in the NBA, the salary cap is the same this season as it was last season. And that is only because it was artificially inflated by the parties during a negotiation. If the cap had been calculated according to the rules of calculating caps, then the NBA cap would have gone down. When the cap goes down, that also means that max deals and their value goes down. So maybe LeBron James was very well aware that signing the max now would be a financial benefit for him because if he chose to do one year, a one-year deal or pick up his player option and then sign a one-year deal after that, that he would make fewer dollars. That is a legitimate reason the Lakers did not have to sign it but they're not going to say no to LeBron James, especially after winning the title and knowing that he's got to drive to win another title and get closer, catch Kobe and get closer to LeBron, uh, to Jordan. Okay, what's another reason that LeBron James would have signed a two-year deal? Then Coca came up with it, and he's totally right. Do you know that LeBron James, when he was playing with Miami and, and he had these, sons. They were little boys at the time. Well, they're not so little anymore. LeBron James has a son who will graduate high school, believe it or not, in 2023 and be eligible to play in the NBA the following season. If he skips college, and goes right to the NBA. It is a well-known fact that Bronny, who is, that's his name. Uh, is that his nickname, Coker, or is that his given name? Literally, his name is B-R-O-N-N-Y. Anyway, so it is a known fact that Bronny is a good player and that he va- very may very well be in the NBA. It's also known that LeBron wants to play with his son. If LeBron James had signed a longer-term deal with the Lakers, longer than two years, then he would have been a Laker. There is no way to guarantee that LeBron Jr., Bronny nicknamed, thank you, Coca, would be drafted by the Lakers. And if LeBron wants to finish his career, a la Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. playing in the same outfield, if LeBron wants to be on the court, by the way, it would be, and I'm going to say it here, one of the coolest things ever. Coca, has there ever been a father-son duo in the NBA playing at the same time? It can't be. I can't even imagine. You have to have so many things. You have to have a father have a son at a young age. You have to have the father stay healthy and have a career that is unbelievably long. LeBron will be in the league 20 years when this two-year extension ends up. And then you have to have the the father have a son who's really good at basketball and then make the NBA and then somehow get on the same team. I'm going to say that there's no chance that a father has ever played with a son, which makes this something to look forward to if you are a fan of LeBron James or of the NBA. It's going to be fascinating. So I think that two factors were in play for LeBron. Number one, he wanted to do something that's never happened, play with his son. Number two, he wanted to maximize his dollars when he can, given what could happen with the cap. And that's how LeBron James signs a two-year extension. The Lakers weren't done, just announced today. It's not breaking news, but it's news we always knew that Anthony Davis, when he declared free agency, when he declined his player option for this season, he knew, the Lakers knew, that they were going to sign him to a max deal, and they have completed that deal. Not much to say, except the Lakers have decided that post-LeBron which will be in the 24 season, 23, 24 season, Anthony Davis. I did not realize how young Anthony Davis is when Coco was prepping me for the show. And he said that Davis will play this season at 28. I literally had no idea. So LeBron James is a Laker. Anthony Davis is a Laker and Anthony Davis will be taking the mantle from LeBron James for the final three years of his five-year max deal. Word of the day, and it was still hot. Let's go right to wait to see, Coca. Wait to see is something I, I didn't spend as much time on it yesterday as I wanted to do. Because I love this part of the show that we've been doing since October of 2019. Our first show of Nothing Personal was October 14th of 2019. We started something called Wait to See, which is a hashtag I love. Because in sports, people who have shows, people who are in the media, the gas bags, just they spew crap and they say things. And then there's no accountability for that which they have said or a position they've taken. And I wanted to be the show and Coco wanted to be the show that we would say opinions. We would give you our views, but we would always and will always revisit what we said. That is wait to see where I say something's going to happen. And I promise you when it happens, we'll revisit it. When it doesn't happen, we'll revisit it. And we'll give you the exact day of the show that it was discussed if you want to go back and listen if by chance you're a new listener to Nothing Personal. And given the numbers that we're hearing from CBS, there are plenty of you, and I'm very thankful for that. And so is Coca. So the third show we ever did, fourth show, 14, 15, 16, 17, the fourth show we ever did was on October 17th, 2019. And there was a talk about the NBA draft. And I told you, that wait to see the NBA draft is going to get expanded. There are going to be more rounds. And I was wrong. The NBA draft happened. All of it's happened with the NBA in the last few weeks. The draft happened, free agency started, and now training camp has started. Games are starting soon. Can you believe that, Coca? We're going to have regular season NBA games. Is that really going to happen? 19 days from today is opening night in the NBA. It it feels almost hard to believe. Anyway, October 17th of 2019, NBA draft will get expanded. No, it didn't. Two weeks later on Halloween, it was Coca's birthday, October 31st, which is Halloween. We were talking about load management. Back then, do you remember all the Kawhi Leonard load management issues that he was, Kawhi Leonard for the Clippers was claiming, listen, I've got a little pain here. I've got to rest here. Yeah, I've got this surgery here, whatever he was saying. And we said, no, this is load management. And rules were made that in order for a star not to play in a game that is being nationally televised, there has to be permission given by the NBA because all these players were not playing. These games were being shown on national networks. And it was all the best players not playing. And I said, something's going to happen here. Load management is going to become a labor issue because the owners are going to want to control how many games these players sit out under the cover of load management. We used to call that in baseball hangovers, the, the Sunday morning hangovers. We would not play players on Sunday afternoons because they'd be out late Saturday night. They weren't good at getting up in the morning. And I could imagine that we would, I guess, call that load management and say they needed a day off. It really was just Advil management ibuprofen management. I don't want to pump Advil because I don't think they're a sponsor of ours, Coca. So I thought load management would become a big labor issue in the NBA. And I said it on Thanksgiving Halloween as a way to see. No, it did not happen. Okay. Go to the August 23rd, 2020 episode, more NBA stuff. Cause there's a lot of NBA today. Do you remember when the NBA was in the bubble and they released a memo on which people would be allowed into the bubble in the later rounds of the playoffs. And there was this crazy memo that came out just a few months ago. I guess it's almost it's more than three months ago, I guess. And it said that a player may not invite someone into the bubble as his guest who he has a, quote, casual relationship with. And I said, that's insane. How can you possibly, possibly what is the word for enforce? How can you enforce that rule? Because all a player would have to say is, hey, there's nothing casual about this. Or a player in a relationship would get to say to the person he's in a relationship with, hey, listen, you're not invited to watch me, even though I really want you to, because wink, wink, we're just casual or a player would say to the league, hey, this is not my fiance. This is not my wife. This is my girlfriend of two weeks. But let me tell you something. It's not casual. And I said, that's ridiculous. This is going to have to be clarified. There's going to be a million instances where players are going to be arguing with the league about who's casual and who's not. I said, the NBA casual relationship memo will have to be clarified. Well, to my knowledge, it was never clarified. So I'm going to take that as a no on the wait-to-see. Okay, what else happened in the NBA yesterday? Max extensions, a couple of wait-to-sees that were no. Oh, we got to talk about this. We have to. I feel like I was pretty good at trading bad contracts. To be good at trading a bad contract, by definition, you have to be good At signing bad contracts. I was pretty damn good at that over 18 years running a Major League Baseball team, to which Marlins fans and Expos fans and baseball fans across this great land of ours will certainly agree with. There were some contracts signed. They were pretty crappy. But if you're going to learn how to sign a bad contract, you better learn how to trade a bad contract. To trade a bad contract, there's two ways to do it. One, you can scour the earth. Actually, that's such hyperbole, Coca. You don't need to scour the earth. You need to just scour the other 29 teams. We would actually do this. This It's a funny story. We would get together. This is totally came out of nowhere, Coca. I'm sorry. We would have a list and it would be uh, later on in my career, it was computerized, but in the beginning, it was literally pieces of paper, and on that piece of paper, you had every contract of every player in a binder. So when a player signs a contract in MLB, every team gets access to that player. It was called the PIS the player Information System. It became very computerized you know later on, but in the beginning, you would get a document, literally a piece of paper. I actually have several here in my office uh, in the studio that I could show you. Um, but I don't think they're right here this minute. But I, I will show them to you on another show. If you're watching on the, our YouTube channel, please watch and subscribe, by the way. Nothing personal with David Sampson on YouTube. Even if you listen to this podcast, just go to the channel and hit subscribe because my agent keeps telling me we don't have enough subscribers and he's pissed off about it because he wants to make 10% of more money. So we need more subscribers. So we would have... I get paid by that, so thank you. So we would have pieces of paper that had every contract of every player and every team. And what we would do is we would have meetings. We'd order in pizza. We'd order in subs. And sometimes we'd order in sushi. And it depends how bad the contract was that we signed that we had to trade. And so that depended on how long we would spend going through these contracts. So we would go through every team and we would look for other teams' bad contracts. Who's overpaid? Who sucks? Who sucks? on another team who we can trade our overpaid sucky player for and maybe save a little money because the other team's overpaid sucky player has fewer years left than our overpaid sucky player. Or maybe it's a player who's overpaid and sucky who we think we can have as a Marlin or an Expo and we can make him less sucky. So we go through every team, go through every player, And then you call the other team's owner and you say, listen, you're not happy paying this guy. You know that. We're not happy paying our guy. Let's just switch guys. You take our crap. We'll take your crap. We'll go our merry own way. Speak to your baseball people. I've spoken to our baseball people. We think that your guy can be better with us. Maybe your guys will think our guy can be better with you. So that's one way to trade a overpaid player with a bad contract is you go down the list, you exchange names, you find a name, call the other team and try to make a trade. The other way to trade a player with a bad contract, a big contract is that the other team views your player as not overpaid, but you do. And you view him as overpaid because you can't afford to carry him because he's not performing the way you thought he was going to perform or because he is performing the way you thought he was going to perform, but your revenue was not as high as your revenue was expected to be. Therefore, you have no choice but to trade the player. Now, it is much more rare, the second example, than the first example. It is very rare for a player who has a large contract that another team would view as being a market contract and you would view as being an overpay. That sort of arbitrage does not happen all the time. Each year, Coca, here's another thing we didn't say would be on the show, but it is. We would mark our players to market. That's a concept that our vice chairman came up with. His name was Joel Mail, worked with Joel Mail. He was a, a Drexel Burnham guy. And then when Drexel Burnham folded, he was an investment banker. He helped me with my newspaper business, uh, when I was uh, out of law school at 25, and he ended up becoming the vice chairman of the Marlins. Uh, he worked with with us to get the Expos, and I worked with him for from 1993 to 2017. And he told us about a concept called marking to market. Marking to market means that you take a player and you take what his contract is, then you assign a number to what the player's worth. If you're paying a player $5 million and he's been marked to market at $20 million, by definition, you have an advantage in that player and you've got an asset. If you have a player who's paid $20 million and you mark him to market at $10 million, you've got a liability and you've got to try to get rid of that liability. So, we would mark to market every player, not just on our team, but every player on every team. And that would give us an idea of where the arbitrage existed with players on every team. That becomes a very interesting trade because, by definition, when you are marking something to market in the stock market, there is no absolute discussion or difference a stock is traded at $40. That is the price of the stock. That is the market for the stock. You may believe that your research says that that stock is going to go to 60. So you're going to be a buyer. You may think that that stock is going to go to 20. So you're going to be a seller, but marking to market that moment, there is no question it's 40. In baseball, when you are doing the same concept, there can be no doubt what the players paid. So really was like Wall Street. There's no doubt what the players paid, but there could be a difference of opinion for what the players worth going forward. And what you hope for is that there is a difference of opinion with a team who you are trying to trade with versus your own baseball people with how you value that player. John Wall is a player who signed a 40-year, $171 million extension in July of 2017 with the Washington Wizards. John Wall was a guy who helped the Wizards get, I think they were, we just talked about this, by the way, on uh, the Levitard Local Hour, this trade a little bit, where it was the contention of Levitard that John Wall was successful with the Wizards because he got them close to the conference finals. They were like a middling four or five seed, as he referred to them. My view of John Wall, having played only 43 games since he signed that deal, it has been an abject disaster. Forget the reason. Injuries happen. It doesn't matter. I'm a consequentialist. He hasn't played. John Wall ruptured his Achilles tendon. He missed all of last season and he's trying to come back this season. His general manager, Tommy Shepard, said that he's ready to go. He's improved his three-point shooting. It's 73 games. I misspoke actually. He's paid, he's played 73 games since he signed that contract. My fault. Uh, thank you, Coca, for correcting me because otherwise I'd have to correct it. By the way, folks, when I make a mistake on the show that Coca doesn't catch and I don't catch, make sure you let me know and I will correct it. I am like the way to seize. I'm one of those Guys, and this is one of those shows, and it means something to me in Coca. When we're wrong, not just on a wait to see, but when we say something wrong. And when you do a 45 minute show without a script, without a prompter, you're going to say things that are wrong. Just let me know, and I will always give the correction. And if you want it, I'll give the credit for the correction. So John Wall signs this contract. He ruptures his Achilles tendon, misses the year. His general manager, Tommy Shepard, says, listen, his three point shooting is better. He's healthy. He's ready to go. And we're not trading them. And I said back when that happened, and this was only a I, this was like a few weeks ago. I said one thing you never say as a GM of a team is that we have no plans to trade them, we're not trading them because you don't know what's going to happen. So our line with the Marlins and the Expos, and this is a line that was invented by Larry Beinfest, who is the assistant GM in Montreal then the GM, and then the president of baseball operations in Florida. His line was, everybody is available to be traded, but some players are less likely to be traded than others. I love that. I use that all the time. There is no such thing as an untouchable player. There's no such thing as an untradeable player. So Tommy Shepard stepped in it. Because while he said he had no plans to trade John Wall, we said if they could move John Wall, they're going to move him because they're paying him money not to play. And they have no way of knowing whether he's going to come back from his ruptured Achilles or not. And what what kind of player, whether he'll be explosive or not. Well, yesterday, blockbuster trade in the NBA, except it's not a blockbuster at all. It's a trade of two guys who, for me, stink. And I got screamed at at the local hour, but I want to give you more detail during nothing personal about this topic and why I think Russell Westbrook stinks. Forget that he was an all-star. Don't care, Mikey. Russell Westbrook, he was an MVP. Don't care. I'm talking about today, right now. Will he help my team get jewelry? That's the question. We said early on that Houston would not get a ring. We've been talking about that and nothing personal when Westbrook was moved to the Rockets. Teaming him with James Harden was not going to be successful. Not only did they team him with James Harden, but they paid him a max deal. Word of the day. So Harden was maxed. Westbrook was maxed. D'Antoni was the coach. They had no big guys after the trade deadline last season. They had no chance to make the finals. Zero. So, come this off season, word comes out that Harden and Westbrook are both despondent. They're upset with their new coach Silas. They're really more upset that D'Antoni left. They're upset with the makeup of the team. They want to win. They don't feel the makeup of the team was enough, and they want to be traded, both of them. And we said, nothing personal, that you're not going to trade Harden. There was some rumor that Harden was going to be moved. There was some rumor he wanted to be. Uh, remember, he wanted to be uh, um, teammates with Durant like they were in Oklahoma City and be reunited with Durant in Brooklyn and GTH. Not going to happen. So what the Rockets were focused on was trying to find anyone who would take Russell Westbrook. Anyone. So they did what we did. They went through the rosters. They went through the teams. They said, ah, let's look at that John Wall guy. He's overpaid. Westbrook is better than Wall because Westbrook's been on the court. I think that we can get John Wall plus a first round pick from the Wizards because the Wizards have been so bad for so long. Their owner is so sick and tired of not winning that we can convince them that Russell Westbrook is exactly what's needed to get the Wizards back into the postseason and back with the chance to win. It was a match made in heaven. Russell Westbrook is now a Washington Wizard. John Wall is now a Houston Rocket. And I say the following. Wait to see. But the Wizards will miss the playoffs in 2021. Russell Westbrook to the Wizards replacing John Wall does nothing for that team. Even though John Wall didn't even play last year having Westbrook on that team, he's going to be miserable because he knows going in that they're not competing for a ring. And he's the type of player for me who simply will not care enough and doesn't have the weapons around him to make that team any better. So wait to see for today is that the Wizards will miss the playoffs in 2021 following this trade where, by the way, And we have to throw this in because we've been talking about this nugget. By the way, there are reports circulating, and I don't want you to listen to them, but there are reports circulating that the GM of the Wizards is claiming that he and the GM of the Rockets, okay, Shepard is the GM of the Wizards, Stone is the GM of the Rockets, having replaced Daryl Morey. There's a report out that they spoke for the first time yesterday and made that trade happen. That's not how it works. So just as an FYI, you can identify players and in the NBA you can match money and you can figure out how it's all going to work. But this trade was slightly more complicated in that it wasn't just wall for a first-round pick. It was a protected First round pick. And there's all sorts of issues with that first round pick that the Rockets now have. Because if it's not a top 14 pick, then it's protect. If it is a top 14 pick, then the Rockets don't get it but then they get the first-round pick of the Wizards the next season, and then it would have to be a top-12 pick. And if it's not a top-12 pick, then it can be maybe a top-six pick. And if it's still not that and it's still protected and the Rockets still don't get it, then they get two first, two second-round picks. I think in 2000, I'm doing this for memory, Coca, maybe 2026 and 27. Anyway, there was a lot going on with, in addition to Wall. So I guess I would only say this. It is extraordinarily unlikely that the report that Shepard and Stone spoke for the first time and made this whole trade happen, I'm going to say, no chance, toilet pants. Okay, when we come back, we're going to take a break right now. Sorry. But when we come back, please, we're going to review a movie that is um, well reviewable with Fatal Attraction and American Hustle. What do those two have in common? Well, they have this movie in common. And then we will talk about the MLB non-tenders that happened because there were no surprises, but it was a very, very telling day for Major League Baseball. We'll be right back.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform.
0: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you for getting through those commercials. Do you long for the days when there were no commercials because people, you were one of the early adopters of Nothing Personal? Well, the more the merrier. Maybe one day, Coco, we will grow up and have two commercial breaks. <gasps> oh, the haha. So, welcome back. We'll get to MLB, but first, I get to watch a movie every day. I get to review a movie every day, sometimes a TV series. Cool thing happened. We reviewed Wayne yesterday. And part of uh, what Greg does, who works with us at CBS, and comes up with those great clips that you can see on Twitter, David P. Sampson, when he goes through the, the show and pulls out some moments that he thinks are funny that I agree with him 100% of the time, and I hope you do too. Because if you edit together some of the interesting things that happen during 45 minutes, there could be some funny stuff. So yesterday, there was a conversation about Wayne, And we had watched it and I got Wayne from Coca. Coca got Wayne from his friend, Tony G. And so that is how Wayne got to you at Nothing Personal. So someone tweeted and it was the creator of Wayne thanked us for reviewing Wayne on Nothing Personal, which I thought was super cool. And I thanked him for creating Wayne. I love these creative people. Anyway, there was a uh, another thank you is coming today, and that is a thank you to Ron Howard. Ron Howard is the uh child star from the Andy Griffith show, the teenage star of Happy Days, and now a feature film director. And he's made great films from Apollo 13 to A Beautiful Mind to Cinderella Man. His latest movie is a straight To Netflix movie, which used to be, you know what's funny about movies? Do you remember when movies and you'd say, and this is back in the day, Coco, you may not remember this, it used to be straight to video. If a movie went straight to video, that would be like the kiss of death. You would never watch a movie that was straight to on demand. And they would they would promote it. This movie available in video and on demand same day as in theaters and what that meant is that that movie was released in two theaters in out of your hubbs USA and there was no belief in the movie the critics hated it it's not going to make one penny back for its investors and or the actors even if they keep a share at the back end yada yada it's not good these days it's a different world lisa bonet it is a totally different world straight to video is where it's at. So Ron Howard had a movie called Hillbilly Elegy, which by the way is eligible for Oscars. A straight to video movie, forget being eligible for Oscars in the past, it wouldn't even be a candidate for a Razzie. But now you've got movies that are eligible for Oscars and very well could win Oscars. Hillbilly Elegy is a movie that we have to talk about because it is becoming a force field of controversy. And it pisses me off. Hillbilly Elegy is based on the book by J.D. Vance, a true story about a boy who grew up in the sticks of Ohio, Kentucky, and grew up to go to Yale Law School. And to this day, is a published author, a contributor on different networks. And the view is that hillbilly is a pejorative word used to describe those in the middle of the country who vote red and that the movie was being criticized by coastal critics who vote blue And the middle of the country, people who vote red were angry that the movie was being negatively reviewed. Hillbilly Elegy, directed by Ron Howard, stars Glenn Close and Amy Adams. Amy Adams is one of my favorite actresses. Somehow Ron Howard found a way to make her ugly. I don't know how you do that. She is as beautiful as she is talented, whether it's enchanted, whether it is American hustle, I just there's no movie that she's been in that I don't fall in love with, if not her. Glenn Close from The Big Chill from Fatal Attraction should have won her first Oscar in The Wife, but didn't. We're talking about a powerhouse cast. The performances by Glenn Close and Amy Adams were ordinary. The movie was choppy and disappointing. This is not a blue review. This is not a red review. And I went into this movie thinking, I want to make sure that I evaluate this movie based on the merits of the movie, having nothing to do with any political views I may have. I am not going through this movie based on my view of what a hillbilly is or not. My love of Yale or not. I'm going to evaluate this movie on its own merits. Well, I am. The movie stinks. The performances are okay at best. The story is inspiring, but gets so muddled by the way Ron Howard did it by flashbacks. And then to the present, to the past, to the present, there's a different actor playing J.D. Vance as a boy. It is tragic in so many ways. It is sickening the child abuse that takes place not pedophilia, just straight up physical abuse. It's sickening the type of anger and despondency that is exhibited because I don't want it to be true. But the movie itself, by using the mechanic of going back and forth becomes distracting to the point where you just don't buy the story. You're not interested in the story. Hillbilly Elegy. By the way, it may come up. We we are uh, going to release on Saturday a Samson sit-down with Adnan Verk. It was very interesting. We recorded it yesterday, and it will be out, I believe, on Saturday, December something. I don't know what date it is today. Today is December 3rd, which is a Wednesday. So Saturday is then the 6th of December, and it will come out. And uh You may like it because we do come up with Hillbilly L.G. He's a huge movie fan, by the way. Oh, by the way, sorry, Coca, today's Thursday the 3rd, which makes Saturday the 5th. There you go, I was close. Okay, MLB. So yesterday we did a big segment about the tender deadline and we said our wait to see yesterday is that there will be a record number of non-tenders. There were. That wait to see was correct. The non-tender number was about 59 I said that it would be a record. The record used to be last year at either 51 or 56. I can't remember. But either way, there were more people non-tendered. There were some who thought there'd be over 100 players non-tendered. There were not. It was 59. Let's talk about some players who are non-tendered who are now free agents and why they were non-tendered and what happens to them now. Let's start in Chicago where your friend and mine, Theo Epstein, left the Cubs because according to the letter he wrote to his fans, he said that, you know, wants a break, good time. Well, maybe he saw the writing on the wall, the Cubs were cutting payroll. Maybe he thought the Cubs and their dynasty was no longer a dynasty because they only won one World Series. So that's not a dynasty. That's the Marlins. By the way, the Cubs are the Marlins, folks. They won one world championship. That's it. They non-tendered a player who, when they won their World Series, was going to be the greatest player. The new Cub, the new masher. Kyle Schwarber is now a free agent. The Cubs said, we will not pay Kyle Schwarber $7.5 million in arbitration. We would rather either pay him less or not pay him at all. We've said that on the show yesterday. Kyle Schwarber, good luck to you. Archie Bradley, remember that name, Coca? Archie Bradley was a really good bullpen arm who was traded to the Cincinnati Reds mid-season by the Diamondbacks last year. The Reds non-tendered him. That The Reds are trying to win. They lost Trevor Bauer. Well, I guess I could say that. Trevor Bauer's a free agent. I doubt he's going to sign back with Cincinnati. Archie Bradley, you are a free agent. How about the Marlins and the big trade they made? Did you watch Tampa Bay this postseason, Coca? Did you watch... Their closer and their setup guy and their early guy and their middle guy, Nick Anderson, pitched at all times. Nick Anderson was traded by the Marlins to the Tampa Bay Rays in return for a guy named Ryan Stanek. And Ryan Stanek is the guy who throws a hundo and was lights out, except when he got to the Marlins, he couldn't get anyone out. Well, the Marlins non-tendered him. He will find a home somewhere else. How about Gary Sanchez, New York Yankees? Tendered. They're going to pay him five and a half million dollars to catch 40 or 50 games, likely to be the backup catcher. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that's not a lot of money. Backup catchers are paid one to two million dollars. The Yankees are paying three million dollars more on the possibility that Sanchez can hit again, not strike out as much. They were never going to non-tender him, but that was a big source of conversation throughout New York. The Atlanta Braves made Adam Duval a free agent. You know that name? Adam Duval is the guy who hit all those home runs for the Atlanta Braves. He was like in the amongst the league leaders in home runs. But it shows you what team's view is of 2020. 2020 is an absolute outlier season. Sanchez you strike out every at bat? Ah, it's 2020 will tender you. Duval, you hit a home run every at bat? Ah, you're not going to do that again. We're going to non-tender you. So it's exactly what we talked about. When you are running a baseball team, you have to understand the concept of sample size. It's why we always said very clearly that we are not going to take what happens in spring training very seriously. We are not going to take what happens in September very seriously because there are players who get brought up and play in September who have unbelievable Septembers and there are some executives and some owners who would say, hey, sign this guy right now, right now. Where there are players who have amazing spring trainings. The, the name I bring up all the time, and go Google them if you want, was a player we had in, in Florida named Abraham Nunez, who hit, I want to say, like 13 home runs in March. And there was so much excitement. This guy is the next Mark McGuire. It turns out he was the next David Sampson. Meaning that was it. No more home runs. So... What you do is when you're watching last season, there was a lot of people who were talking about 2020 when we were talking about Cy Young Awards and MVPs. And I gave asterisks on CBS Sports HQ because whether you win the Cy Young or the MVP in 2020, and I love Freddie Freeman, I love Trevor Bauer, not as a person, but as a pitcher, he's fine. And uh, they're not, it is not proper to compare them To any signing award winners or MVPs of yesteryear. It just isn't right to do because they did it over such a short period of time. And those people running teams are doing that exact same thing. So as you're watching these signings, as you're watching these non-tenders, as you're paying attention to free agency in baseball, which is going to start picking up now, because now what GMs do today, they are going through the list of non tenders and they're beginning to put their team together as they get ready for what I think will be a delayed spring training you will see the 2020 becomes wholly irrelevant in the evaluation process done by teams in Major League Baseball. All right. Non-tender. That was a winning way to see. All right. Nothing personal. Pick of the day. Coco, what was our pick yesterday? Are you going to let me say that our pick was the Ravens plus 10? I'm just curious. Can we say that? See, I think you're wrong. I know you're not. Are you sure? All right. Coca is making us say that the Steelers were the pick because if you listen to yesterday's show, I said the Steelers should be crushing the Ravens. Everybody is taking the Ravens. Why are they only everyone's taking the Steelers? Why are they only favored by 10? That means everyone must have it wrong. Take the Ravens. And then I said, because I said, take the Ravens, I better take the Steelers. So I'd like to believe that people took the Ravens plus 10. If you did, you won. I call it a backdoor cover. Coco doesn't. He disagreed with me. 24-17 was the final score. 19-14 to was the final score. It was 19-7 with three minutes left. The Ravens scored on some total fluke play. Total fluke play. And then win the bet. 1914 was the final. We're 35 and 32. We got a pick today. I want to do a shout out to a CBS Sports HQ anchor. His name is Chris Hassel. If you don't follow him on Twitter, then you should. If you don't watch him on CBS Sports HQ, you should. He teams up with my good friend Amanda on CBS Sports HQ. He is an Iowa guy through and through. Well, we've got a game tonight and we're picking it solely because of Chris Hassel. Iowa's playing college football against a team called Western Illinois. Western Illinois is the first having their first game of the season. What did I say? It's college basketball. What did I say, Coca? Thank you. It's college basketball. College basketball has started. The slate is slight. There are postponed games. There are canceled games. But one game that's happening today, if you want your sports fix and your gambling fix, like all of us do, it, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Is it the Buckeyes? I actually cannot think of their nickname right now. The Iowa, what is their nickname, Coca? Hawkeyes. Thank you. The Iowa Hawkeyes are favored by 36 points over Western Illinois. 36 points. Hassle, what should we do? This is for you, man. We are taking Iowa minus 36. We are going to watch Iowa destroy Western Illinois, even though they start the game losing 36 to nothing. Take it. And please watch CBS Sports HQ with Chris Hassel and Amanda and my friends Tommy and Brandon and all the other great anchors in Stanford and Fort Lauderdale. Why am I asking you? Why am I plugging CBS Sports HQ? Come on. It's business. This is nothing personal. Here you go. Here you go.